So the, the main thing about becoming um, an APR is that you are going to become much more strategic in your practice. It's going to help you become a better strategic advisor. Um, you know, for those of you that already sit on cabinet, you are suddenly going to seem really, really, really smart <laughs> um, to all of the people around you. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm your host, Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA board, and I'm also with Buncombe County Schools. So today, fellow board member and PIO for Henderson County Public Schools, Molly McGowan-Gorsuch, joins me to discuss the process of earning your APR, which is an accreditation in public relations. Molly's going to share her personal take as she's begun the APR prep experience. And uh, we're also going to talk to her mentor, uh, who's our special guest today, Cindy Warner. The APR is a professional credential that signifies you've set yourself apart from your peers in the public relations field. It helps you practice at the highest standard in the industry. And in this episode, we're chatting with Cindy Warner, APR, who's in her 19th year as the Public Relations and Community Education Supervisor for the Shelby County School District. And she's in her third term as president of the Alabama School Public Relations Association. She's also a regional rep on the NSPRA APR Accreditation Committee. She's engaged in guiding practitioners through earning their APR. And as an APR facilitator in the online APR study course, she has also served as a mentor to many. Including me. I've just started the process of studying for the APR and through INSPRA, I connected with Cindy who agreed to be my APR mentor. Turns out she's also one of the facilitators for the online APR study course I'm taking. So we have lots of great information to bring everyone. So grab your paper and pencil, buckle up and let's start the show. Hello, Cindy, and welcome to School PR Drive Time. Thank you for being with us today. So first up, can you tell us a little bit about your professional career and your personal experience with the APR process? Well, thank you for having me. I am very excited to be joining you guys today to talk about the APR process and to help um, folks that may be interested in giving the APR consideration a little nudge or push in the right direction to, to get them motivated about doing this for their both their personal and their professional benefit. Um, to start with my professional career, I graduated from Mississippi State University with a degree in public relations and um, sort of took a little bit of a side trail there for um, my first five years out of college. I did print journalism, um, eventually did about five years in nonprofit PR. And then for the past 19 years, I have been in school PR, working with the Shelby County School District in Alabama, um, not to be confused with the one in Memphis, Tennessee, but we are located in um, suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. And so um, just over the past 19 years of my career, I um, got really involved, of course, with my state association through um, INSPRA, which is called ALSPRA. And then um, obviously through the national organization INSPRA, the National School Public Relations Association, you know, through my involvement with that, I myself became interested in the APR process, primarily because a lot of the people that I looked up to and respected and 
Um, you know, I would go to sessions at the national seminar, for instance, and the ones that I usually, you know, was just so blown away by the commonality there was usually that they were APRs. And so I just decided for myself about six years ago that I wanted to um, tackle this as a, a goal for myself. And um, it was a little daunting at first. Um, the other thing was, though, is that I had several people in my state organization that had also pursued and had gotten their APR. And, you know, quite frankly, I had been a mentor to them um, as they were new in the profession. And I felt like they had leapfrogged over me in doing this as something that they had done um, to sort of accelerate themselves and their professional growth. So I was sort of like, you know, taken aback by the fact that, you know, how could I continue to be a mentor to, um, you know, these these up and coming school PR professionals when they had sort of leapfrogged over me with this major accomplishment. So, you know, that was one of the, the driving factors that I had and, um, you know, I'm not you know, disappointed that I did it. In fact, I feel like it was one of the best decisions that I made for my own um, professional growth. And about how long did you um, did it take for you to go through the process? It doesn't have to be super specific, but give us a general timeline. Yeah, for me, it took me about three years. And part of that was because I did have a lot going on in my personal life at the time. My mother was experiencing some health issues. I had a teenage son and, um, you know, he was struggling through high school and there was just a lot of different things that, you know, I had going on. Um, I also, my district is um, fairly large in comparison to some other school districts. Um, At the time, we had 41 schools and about 26,000 students. And I was a practitioner of one at the time. And I also do community education. So I run all of our after school care programs. And so, um, you know, I did, I could not find a single minute in my day to do anything additional. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, you know, struggling and daunting, you know, um, struggling with the daunting challenge of trying to figure out when am I going to do this? How am I going to find the time to do this? Um since then, we've had a couple of um, city districts that have pulled away from us. And so our school district's a little bit smaller, but it has not stopped the workload. So, you know, I will say to anybody who is considering this, um, you are always going to have obstacles in your way in terms of work, in terms of personal situations. You know, it's like sometimes people will say, you know, when is the right time to have a child? Well, there's not necessarily a right time to have a child. You're always going to find reasons or, you know, obstacles in your path. And and so you just have to do it sometimes. And so um, I would say the same thing about the APR process. You just got to do it and um, take those challenges as they come. The great thing about it, though, is that Um, There is no timeline really for the APR. There is once you apply for the actual process itself. So like when you apply to the Universal Accreditation Committee, um, there is a one year deadline where the clock starts ticking. Mm -hmm. What we encourage people to do is study, study, study on the front end. Do all of your preparation for the APR on the front end so that you were driving your timeline, so that you were not stressing yourself out with a deadline and a ticking clock. 
um, so that if things do derail you, if challenges come up, like a pandemic, for instance, um, then, you know, then you you haven't necessarily boxed yourself into that time frame. Um, I'm mentoring Molly and Molly is actually very deadline oriented. And she's like, you know, I, I like the clicking, the ticking clock. And I'm like, and for folks that really do like it and can, you know, they strive under that kind of pressure and stress, then, then that may be the thing that you want to do. But for people like me <laughs> that were really struggling to find the time to, to, you know, concentrate on it, I would say don't stress yourself out by putting yourself under that time limit. And I'll, I'll say that that is actually really good feedback because that was something I was worried about when I started. I am very deadline oriented like you. I came from a journalism background. I love those deadlines. But at the same time, starting right after the pandemic, you're really realizing just the amount of impact that your that your workload can have on the rest of your time in your life to study, like study time. And so I think taking your advice has helped me build a timeline that builds in some grace for myself while still understanding the way I like to study. So that was really helpful um, when, when we first started talking. Right. Well, none of us can predict the future, right? I mean, who would have thought even this time last year that we would go through what we ended up going through in 20, you know, the rest of 2020, right? So, like, you know, I can remember, you know, this time last year, we were planning our next ALSPR meeting. It was supposed to happen on February the 13th. I had gone to a community ed conference that week, and then it was like the whole world just went crazy pants. And so, <laughs> you know, you cannot necessarily predict what's coming your way personally, professionally. And so I would say build in a little bit of that grace period of time um, just because you don't, you cannot anticipate what you don't know might be coming. And so, um, and it is quite a lengthy study process. And so I would not just say, oh, I'm going to do this and go apply and then try to study. Right. You really need to start the, the process on your own of studying and preparing. And then once you're ready to, to do it in terms of sitting for your panel presentation and, and um, taking the computer-based examination, then you hit the, the clock. <laughs> that, that's when you hit the go button is when you're really ready to do it. So we've touched on it a little bit. You know, this is, it's a very much self-paced process. Um, there's no sort of formal syllabus and there is a timeline, but uh, to a certain extent, there is some flexibility sort of built in until you hit go. And then all of a sudden things sort of tighten up a little bit. So very briefly, sort of walk us through um, the steps that you would recommend. Um, say Stacia, she, she's interested in, in getting her APR. What does Stacia do first? Well, first of all, for all of you guys, I'm assuming that this particular podcast is geared more towards school PR professionals. And if, if that is the case, then I would say you are in, in luck <laughs> um, because the INSPIR APR committee has been working very hard the past two years to put together our own little study um, syllabus, if you will. You mentioned that there is not necessarily a defined syllabus. Um, and, you know, we have been working really hard to support our members of, of National School Public Relations Association and developing some type of formal type of um, 
class syllabus, if you will, um, to sort of help provide that support, to help provide that um, structure and that guidance, if you will, and um, a, kind of a, a, a cohort community to be able to come together and, and support one another. So first of all, you can sign up for that. That's going to be free um, for INSPER members. And we've already had kind of a little introductory session to it. But if you go to the INSPER website, there should be information out there about signing up for that particular um, APR cohort that's going to be offered by INSPRA. Um, second, uh, well, and really even first, I would say download the APR study guide. It's free. It's just out there, you know, in Google land. So, um, you know, Google that, download it, and just start looking through it. Start looking through the study guide. Look at the recommended um, bookshelf of reading materials that they recommend. Start purchasing some of those recommended um, books. Some of them are a little expensive. And so, you know, another suggestion I would have would be to look for used copies of those or borrow copies from other practitioners maybe that have um, versions of them. But you can find some pretty decent used copies. I would recommend though that you try to stick as close to what is recommended in terms of um, you know, editions, first, second, third, fourth, fifth edition. Um, so like I have from my college days, the eighth edition of um, Effective Public Relations. And I think now it's into its like 12th, 13th, 14th edition. So, you know, and I was in college 30 years ago. So that's how long ago <laughs> the eighth edition was and a lot's changed since then. Um, so, you know, that would be step number two or even one, I would say do that first. Um, then also online to learn has an APR study course that you can take. It's a 10 week course. Um, it's usually offered, I think, three times a year. There's usually a, a winter study course, a summer study course, and then a fall. And it is a 10 week module um, course that that it does have homework, it does have assignments. It is going to walk you through, um, talking about there their not being a syllabus necessarily, but with this course, there is. Um, that is a paid course, so you are gonna need to, to realize that that one you're gonna have to shell out a little bit of money for. Um, but I, I would say that it's very beneficial. I did that particular um, course, like, I, I said last night in the as I was facilitating one of those sessions that I was a frequent flyer in that course because like I said it took me three years and I just kept signing up and signing up and signing up and the good news is as long as you are still being active you know they they will not charge you to retake it so you can take it as many times as you need um, you know for the same price that you paid but you have to at least show that you're still actively involved and you're actively pursuing and working through um and then eventually they're they're going to say okay you're ready you need to go take the, the exam but they will let you just continue to take it for um you know a few times until they feel like you're ready so that's the online uh course that you are a facilitator for. Once you go through that and you've kind of started studying through that, I know the actual APR exam is a test you sit for. And then also there is the panel presentation element. Can you kind of briefly explain 
those two elements, because I think that's one of the things that I've heard from some of my peers getting a little confused about the difference and maybe the, the weight of each. Right. So the panel presentation, it used to be called the readiness review. Um, now it's called the panel presentation. And it really is kind of, you've got to do that first before you can take the computer-based exam. And that is um, testing one group of what they call KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities. That's testing, you know, your, your readiness and your um, proficiency, if you will, on those particular areas. And then the computer-based exam is sort of going to test a whole nother set of areas. Um, the panel review is normally with a panel of your peers. And so um, the good news is if, if COVID did at least one good thing for the year, in my opinion, it did um, pave the way for a new process with um, doing the panel presentations that's made things a little bit easier. Because before you used to have to, um, you know, either do that at the end for seminar or you would have to find maybe in your state enough APRs that, that could come together and form a panel for you. And now with the wonders of technology and Zoom and Google Meet and all these other various resources, now we can actually schedule those panel presentations and do those for you um, a whole lot easier. So for instance, one of your other colleagues in North Carolina that recently got her APR, um, I sat on her panel and I think there was somebody from um, California that was on her panel and I can't remember we were all over the country sitting on her panel and through the beauty of technology we were able to do that um, and then once your panel pre that you have to basically pass that step so your panelists have to sign off on the fact that we feel like you met that criteria and that you are ready to then go take the computer-based exam for the panel presentation you are going to be presenting on an actual case study. And um, typically that is, well, it, it is your work. Um, now, as part of the study process, you can do case studies and put together, you know, all kinds of communication plans and case studies on, you know, anything that you like um, that, that kind of helped you understand and, and um, deepen your skills and your knowledge a little bit. But for the panel presentation itself, it has to be something of, out of your body of work that you were going to present on. That in of itself is sometimes daunting for people because they're like, I don't have anything to present. I don't have some big flashy, you know, thing that I've done. Well, hopefully you will as you go through this process because it's going to make you a better practitioner. And it's going to help you realize that all of the things that you had been doing before that were just a lot of tactical things that you were doing that now you are going to take a different approach to that and you're going to be more strategic in that approach. And, you know, instead of just doing X, Y, Z tactical things, you're now going to put together a different plan and a different approach for how you do your work every day. And then as you start getting in the habit of doing that, then you're gonna have something to present. Does that make Cindy, sense? It, it does, Cindy. That actually leads into the last question I want to ask before we take a quick break. Talk to us very briefly about how 
we can use what we've learned through the APR on a day-to-day basis. And so and you definitely touched on it. So instead of maybe reacting to the chaos that, that can be our lives sometimes, all of a sudden the APR gives us a, a different kind of toolbox to pull from. Right. So the, the main thing about becoming um, an APR is that you are going to become much more strategic in your practice. It's going to help you become a better strategic advisor. Um, you know, for those of you that already sit on cabinet, you are suddenly going to seem really, really, really smart <laughs> um, to all of the people around you because you're just going to be able to anticipate things in a different way and, you know, stop them from going down one particular path without maybe doing formal research, for instance. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I would say is that before, you know, someone might come to you and say, well, I want you to put together um, X, Y, Z for me on this particular, you know, reading initiative that we're doing or a mental health initiative that we're doing. And you will be able to step into that and say, okay, but, you know, whatever we're doing, it needs to be based in research. We need to do proper planning. We need to do, um, you know, we need to set goals. We need to set measurable objectives. We need to know how we're going to evaluate what we do. There's no sense in coming up with this big initiative or plan that just has, you know, a lot of times what they're wanting is the, the input, you know, the outputs of that, the tactical stuff. I want a brochure and I want a this and I want a that. And you're able to, to sort of say to them, but it's more than that. You know, we need to define who our target audiences are. We need to know, you know, what, what we're hoping to show um, changes as a result of this. You know, if we're doing a reading initiative, for instance, then we need to have some research that shows what um, third grade reading levels were as opposed to what they're going to be. So, for instance, in Alabama, we have a new literacy act, and that act is, is basically going to retain any third grader that's not reading at grade level. So, you know, it would be beneficial for me and my district to not just jump ahead to all of the various tactical things that we want to do to communicate that as without doing some proper research to show that all of the things that we're hoping to communicate actually have an impact. Exactly. Does that make sense? So yeah. anyway, so it's going to help you, um, explain to everyone around you why it's important. And, and a lot of this stuff, honestly, guys, is probably stuff that's already happening. It just may be happening outside of your wheelhouse. So like, for instance, you know, I am quite certain that my instructional folks already have that data. <laughs> they already know what that data is. I've just got to go to them and say, okay, what is that data? Right. And then build my plan around that. And so, again, it just focuses you to be a little bit more strategic in your practice and not just spin your wheels all the time with a bunch of tactical stuff that you're doing mm-hmm. um, that, that just seems like busy work that's mm-hmm. not accomplishing anything. 
Absolutely. And that on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We still have lots more to explore. So on the other side of the break, we actually want to check in with Molly and hear a little bit from her about her experience so far in earning her APR. Certainly lots and lots of moving parts, but um, clearly, you know, it seems to be a, a way for you as a school PR practitioner, all of a sudden, you're not just, oh, the girl who takes pictures at the events or the girl who plans the events. All of a sudden, you're, you're a player and you're coming to the table with a lot of knowledge and a lot of language that helps quantify kind of your role, who you are and what you bring to the organization. So again, still lots more to come. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. We hope you're enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time. We want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Blackboard. Blackboard is a leading ed tech company that partners with K-12, higher education, business, and government clients around the world. Their mission to advance learning doesn't just stop in the classroom. They serve all aspects of education with solutions that cover community engagement, teaching and learning, and digital accessibility. They're proud to partner with North Carolina districts to ensure all learners have access to a quality education. Here at NCSPRA, we thank Blackboard for their continued support of this podcast and all of our efforts to improve school communications throughout North Carolina and beyond. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. So, Molly, you are just starting out in this process of earning your APR. Tell us what it's been like so far. Well, I started it really, um, I guess, at the very beginning of this calendar year, January. I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, I am in my seventh year in school PR. Um, Like you guys, I had a journalism background. I was print journalism, then moved to school PR got my master's degree because that's something I, you know, I wanted to build my career and um, that was the next stepping stone. And I was debating, you know, next steps. I'd always heard about the APR. um, And like Cindy was saying, going to national conferences, I was always impressed by those people. I felt like I wasn't just learning. They weren't just giving me takeaways to write down. They were giving me things to think about and there was reasoning behind it. There was research. It was research-based and I liked that. Um, So I was thinking about it and I was about to (laughs) jump in and then COVID hit and I said, you know, I need to take a minute. (laughs) So I did. And um, I started really looking into it. January decided I'm going to join this APR online cohort. Um, Because like we mentioned earlier, I, I do like deadlines and I think the thing that was daunting to me was there wasn't, there wasn't like a, this is what you do in this order. Um, I like lists and I will make my own lists if I have to. And that is what I've essentially been doing. Um, my husband is a lawyer and he kind of compared it a little bit to studying for the LSAT. He said, there's lots of ways to go about it and you have to eventually sit for the test but you have to find your own roadmap using the tools that work for you. And so what I found is I'm going to do the APR prep online course that um, I'm in the spring cohort and that ends in April. And um, based on the feedback I've gotten from Cindy and some other APRs, um, I'm going to basically hit start Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I'm done there. And that will give me until the next April, but I think I can get it done by the end of this calendar year. So I think I can be done by November, but even if I'm not, like I said, I built in a little wiggle room. So um, 
that's where I'm going. I've also going through the um, APR study guide and I've, I initially thought, oh gosh, do I have to buy all these books? And that was another question that I was hearing a lot. And um, something Michael Henry said um, in one of the facilitators for the online course says, you know, pull your, basically start doing your research early and kind of the whole RPI process. I did some research, figured out which of these uh, textbooks were the most helpful to the people that I kind of knew and also liked. I knew that their study habits were similar to mine Mm -hmm. and kind of went from there to build my short bookshelf. So that's, that's where we're at right now. And excited (laughs) about moving forward. (laughs) And from what you have experienced so far in this study process, this prep process, um, do you find yourself having moments, you know, as you're going about your day as a school communicator, are you sort of struck by, oh my gosh, I, I remember learning about that, or here's how I can apply X, Y, and Z to this situation that I'm in. Absolutely. It's kind of reminiscent to me of when I was in grad school while working. Similarly, I am taking what I'm learning and doing it right at my desk. Um, and what's been really cool is the, one of the very first KSAs we're learning about too is being able to define the public relations role. And to me, that's really important because I want to grow this position. I want to grow as a communicator and it's helping me articulate to myself and others what it is I do and maybe where I want to be. And so that's been really helpful and actually had really good conversations with uh, my supervisor about it and just talking about it and facilitating that. Um, and even though I'm very, very early on in the research um, part of uh, the, the RPI chapters, I'm, I'm seeing how that is reshaping and shifting my, my processes and moving more towards, um, we were talking about the tactical activities. You know, people are coming to you with these, hey, I want you to do these things. And it's now it's like, but, but why, mm-hmm. but, but why, and could I maybe be a little bit more strategic about this? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, so it is, it's, it's, it's early on for me in the process, but it is helping. I can see the little, the shifts happening and it's exciting. That's awesome. And Cindy, I want to bring you back into the conversation. Uh, you've, uh, how, how long have you had your APR? How many years has it been since you got yours? Um, I got it in 2000, November, October, November timeframe of 2015. Awesome. So, so, so you've um, had several years to sort yeah, of about experience, five years, right. experience that. And have you found yourself, um, and I don't know, maybe there's a transitional period where uh, people learn to approach you differently after uh, all of a sudden you're hitting them back with these questions of the why, and let's talk about the strategy and let's talk about the outcomes. Talk to me a little bit about just the mind shift. I think that you've got to help people navigate. Right. Um, I would say that, you know, where it's really, really been helpful is for bigger types of projects and initiatives that, that my district has wanted to do. And so, um, even before I got my APR, we had to do like a tax renewal campaign. And that is what I did my project on actually. And fortunately, I had kind of, even though I didn't have my APR yet, I was going through the process and I was still able to apply kind of what Molly was saying, applied what I was learning to my practice at the time. And so I was able to build a very successful campaign for um, a, an early tax renewal for property tax. Um, since then, we've also um, developed a huge mental health initiative for our district um, that actually won one of the Golden Achievement Awards from Innsbruck. Awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, again, 
you know, we were able to just approach those bigger projects and initiatives. Um, so before, even with the mental health campaign, that could have just been a series of posters and social media posts and this, that, and the other. Um, but it, it turned out to be so much more than that. Um, you know, we were looking at, unfortunately, we had had three students that were all seniors that had committed suicide all in one spring semester um, about three or four years ago. Oh, that's so sad. So that, I know, it was very, very tragic. And um, it impacted the school communities where they were involved in such a, a horrible way. And so we knew that that it had to be more than just posters and brochures. You know, we had to get to the heart of providing mental health supports for students. And then this year, because of COVID, those mental health supports have intensified for staff, um, you know, who are needing, you know, the, the self-care and all of the various resources um, through our employee assistance plans and things like that. So, you know, again, kind of going back with what Molly was saying with it, it has to be more than just, you know, they're coming to you wanting um, the tactical, you know, output kind of things, but you're able to come to the table and say, but we really do need to base this in research and we really do need to have measurable objectives. What are we hoping to accomplish with this? <laughs> Um, what is our end goal? What is our end game here? And so, um, you know, it, it, so before I would have just probably been the one that they would have come to after the fact and said, this is all the different things we want you to produce for us. Right. And now I am brought in on the front end of the, those conversations and I'm part of putting the plan together from the very beginning. That is huge. And I think that's that's some credibility that the APR brings with it is, you know, if you if you don't have a place at the table, all of a sudden they're going to make room for you to have a place right. at the table because, you know, th they can see kind of the value that you bring. And so uh, speaking of sort of dealing with challenging times, I I, I feel like we, we can't kind of end the conversation without talking a little bit about how having an APR or at the very least, kind of being in the process of studying for the APR can help school communicators as we continue to deal with the challenges of going to school in the middle of a global pandemic and all of the sort of health and political uh, ramifications that that are, as we've discovered, uh, come along with that. So um, how has the APR helped you during this strange time? Well, first of all, I would say that every school PR practitioner out there has done APR worthy work <laughs> um, through this process. I mean, you know, we have had to dig in and, you know, research and plan and, and you know, implement, you know, do the implementation of all of the various things that we were planning and putting into place. And, um, you know, so I would say that probably at, at no time in the past have the communications folks in, in our districts and the PR folks probably been more valued mm -hmm. um, because they they realized real quickly, oh, you know, we we have got to do school completely different mm -hmm. than we've ever done it before. And we have to communicate to everybody now what mm -hmm. we're going to be doing. We also have to communicate with everybody about, you know, how do we stay safe from COVID? What, how do we put together these plans to help everybody understand what they're doing? And so, 
you know, if nothing else, I would say that 2020 and COVID gave everybody a crash course on what it is really like to be a true PR practitioner. So the work that we have all done this year is the type of work that I'm talking about that APR prepares you for. Um, so for me, I would say that just having that APR experience and background made me not want to go crawl in a hole somewhere and, you know, not ever come out. <laughs> um, you know, I would, and, and, and even still, there were times that I felt like I probably wanted to do that. Um, but it, it just made me a little bit more confident in what I was doing and, and the advice that I was giving. And, you know, there were times that, that other members of, of our leadership cabinet may have wanted to do um, one thing. And I was able to say, but hey, we need to look at it from this particular angle too. So again, it also just helps you to be um, a much more strategic advisor. The other thing is that the school PR community is so generous with their um, resources and with sharing of information. And so, you know, being involved in all of these various organizations and, you know, you know, I feel like it's almost like we're able to sort of look out there <laughs> and, you know, nationally in this broad view and say, okay, my friends in so-and-so district and so-and-so state have already tried that and it didn't work or, they were able to, you know, do it this way and it was really successful. And so, you know, again, it just makes you seem really smart, <laughs> you know, to be able to, you know, go to all of your friends that also, you know, kind of have their act together and know what they're doing and be able to sort of bring some of those resources to the table. And I think that kind of goes back to a phrase you mentioned earlier, the common denominator. Um, this go the APR goes for not just uh, school PR practitioners, but across industries, and that's something that I've noticed in my um, recent work on crisis communications with folks in the healthcare industries, in um, in public health, in um, and local small organizations as well. The folks that are really putting that research based um, and 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 planning in, into their plans, and they're then able to measure those objectives and see at the end really the kind of impact that's been made, they've all got their APRs. Um, so I think that that's also a nice thing to think about when you're thinking about leveling the playing field. It's regardless of what organization you might work for or might work for in the future, it's good to have at the end of your name. So that's, that's something that I've also thought about too, because you never know what the world, you know, may throw at you. You don't know if you're going to be at the school PR for the rest of your life, but if you are passionate about public relations, at least you know that you are going to be recognized in your field, regardless of what you're doing. Right. And, you know, and I would say that, that just like any, uh, you know, credential that, that you go out there and you work hard for, you know, you mentioned that your, your husband's an attorney and, you know, I have friends of mine that are, um, you know, that, that graduated in accounting, but, but aren't necessarily CPAs. And so, you know, the APR allows you to sort of have those, those initials after your name that mean something. It means that you put forth the work and that you did, um, you know, sit for a very hard examination. I'm not going to lie. The test, the computer-based exam is hard. 
Um, and that's one of the reasons why you do need to study and you do need to be able to put that into practice. Um, and, you know, the other thing is I feel like educators, especially, they love them some letters after their names, you know, <laughs> so right. um, not only with the higher degrees, but even like I, I equate this to sometimes to like a teacher who goes through the national board process, you know, and how much more respected, you know, those teachers are among their peers, among other administrators, you know, those in, end up being the teachers that usually rise to levels of leadership, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they're putting forth the effort to show that they really, um, you know, they really value their craft and they, they mm-hmm. want to put forth the effort to make, make certain that they're growing professionally and, and, you know, doing everything that they can to improve. That's a great way to, to wrap it up. I mean, you know, the APR, it's not uh, something where you're just going to roll out of bed and, and, and take the exam. But, uh, you know, if you study, there's lots of resources out there. And certainly NSPRA is doing what it can to help facilitate the process for school communicators. So on that note, um, Cindy, can you tell us where folks can find you and connect with you if uh, we've piqued their interest in the APR? Sure. Well, first of all, my email address, if anybody wants to reach out to me through email, is C Warner, and that's like Warner Brothers. Um, so C W A R N E R at Shelby E D dot O R G. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Cindy Joe Warner. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so just just hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> and, our, and our show notes. Oh, yeah, sorry, and I'm, I'm, you know, I love mentoring APR candidates. I had great mentors that that walked me through this process and really poured into me. And so, especially for all of you guys that are in the southeast region, you know, I, I'm here for you. That's that's kind of what my role is on the committee is to to you know be there to help mentor you guys. And um, so, just just reach out to me. Awesome. And we will leave all of those uh, contact, the contact information in our show notes and our show notes do live on SoundCloud. Uh, so Cindy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I certainly uh, feel like I learned a lot about uh, the APR process. Thank you. It was great joining you guys today. And thanks for having my back, Cindy. You're welcome. Well, that was a great conversation with Cindy. I feel like I learned so much more about the APR and the process. And and certainly, you know, it can feel and seem a little bit daunting at the beginning. But I think the value that it can bring a practitioner as you are going through your your day-to-day duties and and really helps give shape and and gives sort of definition to maybe sometimes the things that, um, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you're already doing them, but now you can really show people the reason and you can really dig into um, the, the strategy behind it. And I think that's so valuable, uh, especially for perhaps, you know, one-man band uh, PIOs and, and, you know, you're trying to get a lot done and, and trying to make people understand what it is that you do. And so uh, I feel like the APR certainly can help with that. Exactly. She's talking about not just being focused on the output, like you saying, all the things that we can do or are expected to do. It's the reasoning behind and the research that should should go into why we're doing those things um, and the ways to get the best objectives. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I, we mentioned it while we were talking to Cindy, but um, it, it's certainly easy for 
um, maybe people who don't understand what school communications really is. And maybe they don't really understand PR. They don't really understand marketing. And all of a sudden you can have conversations with them and really flesh it out and, and make them realize that um, PR is certainly more than uh, grabbing a camera and going and taking a pretty picture. It's certainly much, much more than, than just being a great photographer. Exactly. And even just this early on in the process, I, I remember reading and thinking and having an aha moment. Oh, no, marketing isn't the same. It's not what I do. It's one of the elements, one of the tasks that I do underneath my public relations umbrella. So being able to quantify and show the different tasks and activities that make up the whole, but don't just define my role has been really, really enlightening. And I think it's going to help me build an even stronger career. Awesome. Well, we're so excited for you, Molly, to start this process. And we'll certainly uh, check back in with you. Make sure you still got your head above water and are <laughs> fully alive. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Molly, for uh, being my co-host today. It's always great to have you on. Thanks for having me.